Pittsburgh Steeler fans. It is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and my partner in crime, as always, the film guru of BTSC, Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing good, Michael, doing good. Yeah, and uh, we do have a special guest that will be joining us uh, shortly to break down some Iowa Hawkeyes prospects. Uh, obviously, the theme of today's show and uh, moving forward, uh, breaking down some of those college football prospects over uh, the coming weeks here before we hit the NFL draft. But uh, we wanted to start with Iowa specifically because there's one certain player that uh, I think would kind of be the dream. Well, for me, and I think for a lot of Steeler fans, uh, if it were to break down this way, and, and truly the one player that in mock drafts has kind of gone around where the Steelers pick. And if you what, if you managed to be available, I'm pretty sure like, I would pick him basically over anyone else that would be available in that position. That, of course, being Tyler Linderbaum. Now, Jeffrey, is that an, an insane thought before our guest jumps on here? Is uh, is If that center's available, could you take anyone else? Can you justify it over him? Not really. No, I, I think, you know, like there's a few players in this draft I would take over Linderbaum with what the Steelers roster currently looks like, and they are not going to be there at 20. You know, I, I don't think Linderbaum will be there at 20. I think people he's I think his stock's going to go up as this process goes on. But we'll see. You'll see. You know, crazier things have happened. Uh, no, absolutely. They have like Pouncey should never have made it to the Steelers. David DeCastro never should have made it to the Steelers. But I'll, I'll pose you this question. The Steelers are the 10th pick in the draft. Would things change? Would Linderbaum still be the pick at 10? Probably. Yeah, like probably at that point. Like nothing really changes for me. Yeah, at that point you're sitting there saying, well, maybe if everyone in the world is stupid, you know, Neil falls to the Steelers or something like that, you'd take him. But uh, it's, yeah, it's got to be Linderbaum. Of course, there are some big tackles that are going to be available in that top 10-ish range. Yeah. Um, How many, like, Neil, you'd probably take over Linderbaum. I I think that's fair. I don't think anyone would argue that. Say the Steelers had the fifth pick in the draft. Neil's gone. The, the the pass rushers are gone. Um, <laughs> no, like we're really juicing this up here. <laughs> we're finding out how high how high would you take uh, Tyler Linderbaum? Just just an honest question, like you with know, the Steelers at, roster at five. If Evan Neal and some pass rushers are gone, you've got quarterbacks sitting there. You might have someone desperate to trade up. You could probably mm. trade back to ten and then take Linderbaum. It would be my strategy. Just trade back and then take him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest is now here. I'm going to pull him up. Uh, Mr. Kennington Smith, uh, break, helping us break down the Iowa Hawkeyes. Kennington, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm good. How are y'all? Thank y'all for having me. Oh, no, our pleasure. Uh, we're, we're starting off the show here just uh, talking about one of our favorite prospects, uh, first and foremost, Mr. Tyler Linderbaum, what, Remington Award winner. Uh, can, can you break down his game for us and uh, just kind of explain – uh, why he is as talented as he is perhaps and why he's kind of looked at as the top center in this draft class? Yeah, Tyler Linderbaum, um, you know, simply put, is just an elite prospect. When you look at what he was able to do on our Iowa offensive line this year, especially one that was very young, a lot of uh, new starters coming into the fold, an uh, offensive line that was injured throughout the year. They lost starting guard uh, Kyler Shot at the beginning of the year to a foot injury, so they were a little depleted, and he was really the the one that anchored that that offensive line. When you look at his tape, 
um, elite pass blocker, elite run blocker, um, finisher, you know, plays through the whistle, um, plays with a, a mean streak. I mean, it seemed like every week, you know, pro football focus and others were putting up highlights of his, um, you know, just mauling d- defenders, whether that was, you know, a group of five school like Colorado State or, or Kent State, all the way up to Penn State at the time. That was a, a top four matchup and he dominated that game as well. So very consistent. Um you know, everything that you're looking for in an interior offensive lineman. And at a school like Iowa, when you have the, the offensive line pedigree that they have for him to be compared to, to people like Tristan Wurst, uh, Brandon Sheriff, uh, you know, Marshall Yonda and, and others to be in that kind of tier, closing it out with a, with the consensus All-American Wilmington Award winner, like you said. I mean, there's, um, there's just nothing um, not to like there. And somebody that I think that when we start getting into combine and he's getting in front of these NFL teams, interviewing, and they really get a sense of, of who he is um, as a person and knowing him on a personal level, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see his stock go even higher. Mm. Now, there's a lot – one of the things, the negatives about him is his length and his size. Uh do you think these could be an issue in the future in the NFL that he's not quite as big as some of the NFL linemen, or do you think that's something that's overblown and won't be a problem for him? I don't really see that being as as much of a problem for him. I mean, obviously there's going to be, um, you know, a learning curve going into the NFL, um, an uptick in competition, uptick in strength, all of those things. Uh, but this is somebody who hasn't really given us any any red flags in terms of that being something that he's not being able to handle. I mean, they played at the highest level um, in the Big Ten. You got a chance to see him um, against an SEC foe um, against Kentucky in the bowl game. He was making plays um, in that one as well. One that I can think of is that screen pass to Sam Laporta down the end of the stretch, and you kind of see him running um, almost drive for stride with him blocking da- down the field. So. Um, a lot to like about him. Um, I think that is a concern that might ding him a little bit in terms of maybe being, you know, maybe the first offensive lineman taken off the board or, or something like that, maybe not being in the top 10 for something like that. But um, I don't foresee that being a major red flag. Yeah, you mentioned his speed. That, that's one of the things I, I want to ask you on as well. It, it's kind of freaky for a, a guy at his position, his size, uh, to be able to move like he does. Thinking back about of all these uh, terrific offensive linemen that have come out of Iowa over the years, and uh, of course, uh, guys in, in that in that conference that uh, have already carved out uh, roles for themselves, is Linderbaum at the top of that list when it comes to athleticism amongst offensive linemen? Because I'm not sure I've seen uh, anything quite like that from a center prospect uh, before. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a, a rarity. I think that that's something that can maybe separate him from from others that that he's been mentioned with. Um, somebody who's very athletic, a multi sport athlete. Um, you know, wrestled in high school. Actually, beat Tristan Wirfs in a wrestling match. They were they were great friends and great rivals in high school in that respect. And another play that sticks out. There's a 2020 season. Um, they're playing in the snow. Um, Tyler Goodson runs for for an 80 yard touchdown, and, and Linderbaum was almost running stride for stride with him as well. And uh, we got a chance to talk to Tyler um, about that this year. And Tyler Goodson, I mean, he said, you know, I've never seen anything like that. He said he was almost close enough to him to for to hand the ball off to him and let him score a, a touchdown. So um, that's you know definitely not something that is commonly seen in offensive linemen. I know that. Uh, you know, athletic offensive linemen are starting to, to become more uh, of the norm, but that type of speed is uh, something that's still incredibly rare. Now, a lot of people are saying he could be a center or a guard. Uh, do, you, do you think that's really a, a thing with him that he could play guard or, and do you think that he would benefit from a position change or you think he's really, really that level of a center that he should just be a center? 
Yeah, I think that um, I'm looking at him primarily as, as a center, um, especially when you consider the kind of the, the leadership aspect. I'm sure just physical tools wise, um, he could play guard just because he, he's that talented. But I feel like, you know, center is is where he's going to thrive the most. So for the Steelers, uh, there are kind of problems along the offensive line. Obviously, there's a bunch of them, but uh, a lot of youth. Um, and they don't really have anyone that I would say is kind of a vocal leader of that group anymore after a, a few retirements the last couple of years. Is Tyler Linderbaum someone that can uh, talk, like stand up in front of a group, uh, lead a group of guys, uh, be able to talk? Or is he someone that's a little more reserved uh, and have to look for that leadership somewhere else? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, definitely somebody. He's kind of a he's not a super raw, raw, raw type of person in terms of us just interacting with him. But I, I get the sense that he's somebody to where if something needs to be said, then he is going to say it. I think that another part of, of this year, and I kind of touched on it earlier, was just his leadership aspect um, with this offensive line group. It's incredibly rare for a school like Iowa to start multiple freshmen on the offensive line. That's what they did th this year, and him being in the in the middle of it all, bringing those guys along, and those guys, you know, showed flashes throughout the year. And towards the end of the year, you saw the offensive line really start to pick up momentum. So I think that that's uh, somewhat of a parallel of him being placed into a situation where there's um, a lot of youth and guys trying to find their way, um, not really knowing kind of, you know, you know, the ropes and the, and the, and the ins and outs of a big 10 play and kind of how to, to maintain that consistency. And I think that he was just a steady example of that, um, how to stay consistent and um, you know, what it takes to, to truly thrive at that level. So um, I don't really have too many uh, questions about his, his leadership ability. Um. I blanked on my question. I was going to ask him. I got it. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> the Steelers are drafting 20th, right? Mm -hmm. And right now, mock drafts have Tyler Linderbaum going in that range. Do you think by the time teams, like you said, teams interview him, teams get him, he goes to the combine, runs the agility drills, does all that stuff. Uh, do you think there's much of a chance the Steelers could get a Tyler Linderbaum at the 20th pick? Or is this a guy we're going to have to trade up for? I, you probably have to trade up a few spots, I think. I think that he would probably – I'm thinking around top 15, honestly, after, you know, combines and interviews and those things. I know kind of at the beginning of this process he was rated really high, and then we kind of see his name fall down, down the boards. But I think, you know, like you said, the agility, actually getting in front of teams, interviewing him is going to kind of re-solidify him um, in, in that top 15 spot. So if that's a prospect that the Steelers really want, I imagine they'll probably have to trade up maybe, you know, three, four picks – um, I think that waiting at 20 would be a little bit optimistic, uh, but we'll just kind of see how, how things shake out after the combine. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny to me how this draft process has already taken off. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum is kind of seen as a top five prospect throughout the season, wins the award as the best center in college football, uh, shows his freaky athleticism once again. Uh, Iowa was a, a top-ranked team for a, a good stretch of the season as well. And then it just kind of seems like people got uh, hung up on his size a little bit. Uh does he play to his size? Does he play bigger than that? Is he someone that, like, to me, I, I kind of see a mauler within him. Is, yeah. is he someone that can do that at this level, or is, is that yeah. something he might struggle with because of uh, his stature? Yeah, I actually, th I think that's a pretty um, accurate assessment. You know, I'm a, I'm a first-year beat reporter here at Iowa, so I don't have, um, you know, as much experience in terms of watching him maybe grow in, in terms of size. But when I started watching him play, um, just kind of eyeballing it without really knowing his official height and weight, I never really got the, the sense that, oh, well, this is somebody who's, you know, kind of undersized for their position. Iowa as a school, and Kirk Ferentz has spoken to this a lot, um, is a school that tends to be just, you know, undersized in general uh, on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive line. That's just something that they kind of have to, 
to play through. So maybe that's something that's um, maybe normal for, for Iowa offensive linemen to maybe not be uh, you know as big as others across other power five institutions, but definitely somebody who um, you know plays with their pads, plays um, you know with their weight and plays um, stronger than he is. Like I said, you know, just a kind of a highlight tape. You can find him on Twitter and all types of Twitter threads if you go down the rabbit hole of him just kind of, you know, dominating um, at, at all levels. Now, you just said him dominating. Is there any game, any team, any matchups that you uh, re- that you can recall that actually caused him to struggle this past season? Yeah, I think that there, you know, games where the the entire offensive line just kind of failed to establish um, dominance. I think of Wisconsin is is a good example. I think that the Purdue game is is another example. Um, it just throughout the season they kind of had trouble kind of um, establishing the run game. Like I said, a lot of that had to do with youth on the offensive line and experience on the offensive line. Um, but there were a few times where, um, you know, I kind of saw the offensive line maybe not play up to the the Iowa standard. Um, but if you're just kind of looking at him individually in terms of where he graded out in each of those games, you know, he still posted um, high remarks. But, you know, those are just a few off the top of my head where um, I can think of that he struggled in. Now, Jeffrey, uh, is there any other questions you want to ask about Linderbaum or uh, should we uh, turn good. our attention to some other prospects? I'm good. All right. So Kenneth, uh, of course, Talon Linderbaum is the big name, but uh, there are some other guys coming out as well. Uh, first name, I want to kind of just pose a question is Jack Campbell, uh, linebacker. What's uh, what kind of round is he kind of looking at uh, to go in? Is he like an NFL type or uh, can, you, can you just kind of break him down a, a little bit for us? Yeah, well, um, Jack Campbell's actually is he not? He's returning to Iowa. Is he, is he coming back? I believe that he's returning. Do you have that, Jeffrey? To Iowa. Yeah, I, I that I, COVID, the I COVID thing messed me up. He was definitely he was a a um, a pro prospect. Let me. I just want to make sure, but I am ninety nine percent sure Oof. that uh, just great research on my end. A eh? yeah, he's returning. <laughs> he is returning. He's All right. <laughs> well, I, I won't even bother asking about Riley Moss either because he uh, he's also returning. Just uh, all the all the like top players yeah. from I was like either right. enter the portal or return to school. So <laughs> just one of those things. How, how about this name? Uh, maybe the most fun name uh, in the draft. Uh, I know Jeffrey Benedict loves uh, Zach Van Valkenburg. Uh, can, can you break down uh, the the defense alignments game? Yeah, Zach Van Valkenburg is somebody who um, incredibly high motor is the first thing that that I think of. Disruptor, somebody um, who's a very strong run defender in terms of where he plays on the defensive line. But he showed some pass rush ability this this year as well that I think will entice um, some some NFL teams. He uh, does a really good job of kind of converting um, initial power to kind of speed off of the edge and uh, able to disrupt things in the backfield. you know, good frame. I think that he has um, an opportunity to maybe add some muscle going in, into the NFL and play uh, a little bit bigger than he is. But um, high motor, somebody who I think is uh, more uh, of a day three prospect is somebody who could really be a, a value pick in the later rounds for a team like the Steelers. Yeah, do you see him as coming in and being able to, you know, contribute in a rotation or be a backup uh, on the edge right away? Or do you think he's a guy who's going to be, you know, make his name in special teams and then work his way in onto the field beyond that later. Yeah, I think that, you know, initially when you're talking about special teams, I definitely think that he's somebody who could be an immediate impact player there. I think that Iowa as a school, when you talk about 
um, their elite play on special teams as something that they um, truly take pride in. So somebody who I think definitely can contribute in, in that area. Uh, he's an older older player, so I think that that is, is going to help him a, as well. And he's kind of been in a, in a situation before uh, transferring from a Division II school to Iowa um, and kind of being that rotation player and, and learning a, a little bit and then was able to kind of step into the forefront when it, when his time was called. So um, I think that that could be a, a role for him a, as well. I think that he's somebody that you can trust in, in limited snaps. So if you got down to a situation where maybe there's, uh, you know, injury, or even if you do take him in the in the later rounds and kind of project him as somebody who could be a, a day one contributor, um, I think that that's in the cards for him. Um, you know, unfortunately, he didn't get a um, a combine invite to my knowledge, so we'll have to wait for for pro day to kind of see where he's at physically and, and and how he runs and all of that. And that, you know, might be able to, you know, help him rise up draft boards, or maybe if teams are a little worried, maybe he can fall down draft boards as well. Now, uh, one last question for me on Van Valkenburg. Uh, is, is he someone that can drop in a coverage? I know that's something the Steelers kind of ask out of their edge rushers, uh, or is he someone that would have to be kind of a, just a pure pass rushing specialist? Yeah, I'm thinking somebody who's just playing um, hand on, on the ground. That's not something that defensive ends uh, did at Iowa much this year. So I don't know if that's in his bag. Uh, but just based on on what I've seen this year, I project him as somebody, you know, playing, you know, mostly hand on the ground and, um, and trying to cause disruption in the backfield. Sticking with the defense, uh, Iowa safety, Dane Belton. Uh, where do you think he belongs in the draft? Uh and basically how good is he? What's, what's he, what's he play? What's his game? Yeah. Dane Belton is somebody who was one of those players at the end of the year um, that you were looking at somebody who could potentially um, enter the draft. And I think that he was somebody at the beginning of the year where you're probably looking at him as somebody that you thought could step into that cash position. And I'll elaborate a little bit on that later, but he's somebody who you thought that you might have for multiple years. I don't think that uh, many people expected to him, to have this pop out year where he, you know, leads the team in five interceptions on a team that broke a school record in interceptions. So he was um, the top of that list there. Um, great in terms of playing physical and, and making tackles as well. And we're talking about that, that cast position, somebody who is kind of a, a safety uh, cornerback type hybrid um, physical player. Like I said, he can, he can play against the run. Um, Amani Hooker, uh, who plays for the Titans right now, was the first Iowa player to to be in this cash position. Dane is the second following in, in his footsteps, and you've seen um, you know, him be an all-Big Ten player and, and produce in that role as well. When I look at him as a prospect, like I said, I thought that he was somebody who could either return or, or go to the league. I would probably look at him um, as maybe, you know, like around a third-round prospect, maybe in the second round we'll see where um, – he tests that he got a combine invitation. So, you know, teams will be able to, to see him. I know that if he would have came back um, for another year going into 2023, definitely would have been held in very high regard um, among the top defensive backs in, in the country. So maybe, you know, that tidbit in itself might help him rise up draft boards, but um, Dane's one of my favorite prospects in the draft. And I'm really excited to, to see how he tests out and, you know, what his stock looks like afterwards. Uh, one more quick question for me on, on Dane. Um, I've seen some kind of reports that people could see him as a linebacker, some as a safety. Does he? Is there a spot that he fits better in? I would I would keep him at, at safety. I think there is something to linebacker, though, because Iowa 
um, you know, was a 4-3 team that switched to that 4-2-5 cash. So, you know, you had, you know, Barrington, Wade, who, who's um, uh, in the Broncos organization right now, kind of playing that uh, cash position. They have a linebacker right now on the roster. Justin Jacobs, um, who's about 6'5", 240, and he plays in, in that position as well when they go into 4-3. So I do think there's there's something there to maybe Dane being a, a linebacker. But if he were a linebacker, I would I would project him as, you know, maybe like a – kind of like one of those hybrid linebackers, you know, the, the 6'2", maybe 220, 230, who, who can, you know, play in space and are really fast um, and have that ability to cover, you know, tight ends and also play in the run. So I would see him as maybe that type of linebacker, but um, I would probably project him as safety right now. Okay. Uh, the other Iowa safety, Jack Corner, is he, is he, is he going to, you know, make a draft? Is he, is he a player that could, Make some noise in the NFL, or is this kind of a fringe NFL roster guy? Yeah, I think that we're we're looking at him as more of um, of a fringe roster uh, type player. I think that he has uh, obviously a kind of like high floor, um, low ceiling type type player, but somebody who's incredibly smart, uh, multi year starter. Uh, in the secondary, somebody who communicated very well in Phil Parker's defense in his secondary. Um, and we kind of understand how, how difficult that is. Um, somebody who I think would be an elite special teams player um, in the NFL, given opportunity. I feel like that's kind of where his lane would be as maybe, you know, undrafted free agent gets into a camp, shines on special teams, and then um, maybe just do attrition of the NFL season or whatever the case may be, he might be able to work his way um, into a playing rotation um, at safety just because, you know, he is smart and, and dependable. But um, I do see him as kind of a kind of fringe guy um, making his way uh, through special teams. And then we just kind of see what happens from there. Um, last player I wanted to touch on uh, before we uh, let you on with your day, Kennington, is uh, running back Tyler Goodson. Um I know he declared for the draft. Uh, what what kind of player is he like? Uh, I, I've I've seen the word speed with him quite often. Is he an NFL uh, type running back? And for the Steelers, they're kind of looking for a change of pace type guy. Is that someone that uh, could fit the mold? Is someone that uh, plays uh, third downs and uh, every other series sort of thing? Yeah, that's that's um, a, a land that I think that he would thrive in in the NFL. You want to talk about speed? One of the first plays of the season for Iowa this year was against Indiana. He takes a sweep. Um, for, for a you know 50 plus yard touchdown and that was one of the fastest runs of the year by by any player in in college football this year so he definitely has the top end speed when he's able to to get that opportunity to somebody who's an all first team big 10 running back followed that up this year all big 10 selection again thousand yard season uh, he's kind of what what the nfl is looking for now when you think about you know multi-running back tandems in the backfield and you have somebody who is able to, to kind of run between the tackles and also be able to catch the ball. That's something uh, when I talked to him after he declared for the draft, something that he was really interested in and doing in the NFL is using his hands, getting out of the backfield. We saw that a few times this year um, in the Maryland game. He had about a 70 yard touchdown reception out of the backfield, um, you know, shook a couple defenders on his way there to, to the end zone. So he has all of those type of, of tools you're looking for. If you're looking for a change of pace, somebody like, you know, third down, maybe obvious pass down, you know, situation and, and those things. I think that's somebody, um, you know, who, who could be very effective. Somebody's going to have to get better in terms of pass blocking. Um, I think that that's, um, you know, kind of where he's going to to need to, to improve the most. But I know he's training hard, you know, adding muscle and, and those type of things. So I'm excited to see him test at the combine um, as well. I'm really interested to see what his 40 time would be. But if you're looking for somebody to come in and, and be an immediate impact player, um, you know, next to, to Anaji Harris, who we understand is the, is the number one back, but to kind of come in and change the pace and add some different things to the offense, I think that would be um, a pretty good fit. Hmm. 
Jeffrey, is there anyone else you wanted to touch on or uh, any questions you wanted nope. to add? Uh, nope, you're all good. That was okay. Good. Uh, Kennington, before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug for the people? Oh, man. Um, yeah, definitely. Just, um, you know, if you're interested in, in Iowa Hawkeye content or just anything Big Ten related, uh, follow me on Twitter at Skinny Kenny with an underscore um at the end um so just um engage with me if you have any more questions about iowa tweet at me um and um i just appreciate y'all letting me on and giving me this platform and um hopefully the people watching um didn't hate me so we can uh, do this again sometime no absolutely <laughs> anytime we need to break down iowa hawkers the second the steelers drop tyler linderbaum we're, we're sending you a message <laughs> to get you back on because i, I think that's absolutely. all for both of us all right so like thank you for your time jeffrey and i are going to continue on so once again thank you uh, and hopefully uh, we can talk to you soon. All right. Thank you for having me. Have a good night. So, yeah, you too. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that was Kennington Smith uh, helping us break down the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, Jeffrey, there's also some pretty big news uh, Steelers related this past week. Um, just kind of uh, uh, somewhat of a big hire. Um, one Mr. Brian Flores uh, getting added to the uh, the coaching staff. How did you feel about that? Because I know when I looked at my phone and saw that pop up, I thought it was a meme account. I thought it was like, Oh, I'm blanking on the names, but the people that have the yeah. fake handles that it's like Ivan mm -hmm. Rappaport, I thought it was fake. It was just like, yeah, sure. Of course they hired Brian Flores. Yeah. There's been no reports of it out of the blue. The Steelers Twitter account says they hired Flores. Sure. Okay. But then it was true. It was actually true. And then my mind kind of exploded. So Jeffrey, I want to know what your kind of reaction was to that hire, because I did not see that coming. Well, I was saying to toot my own horn here, uh, that, with Keith Butler leaving and Austin taking over, right? That they they needed a guy, you said someone this. who could come in and run the front seven, do the blitz packages. What's Brian Flores known for? His blitzes. His coverage scheme is is more. It's a it's a it's a man coverage scheme. It's a good man cover scheme, but it's not. He, he's not a defensive coverage guy. He is a blitz guy. Uh, so he is a perfect fit from that standpoint. Watching his blitzes, watching the aggressiveness, the disguise. There's a lot of concepts, a lot of ideas, like fundamental ideas of how you blitz that he shares in common with Keith Butler. Um, but I love his system. I love it for for Stefan Tuitt. I don't think I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Brian Flores gets signed and all of a sudden we're hearing it's more likely, you know, we're starting to hear good things about Stefan Tuitt returning. Uh Flores is it's a great system for those guys. The defensive linemen are pretty much just let loose. You you have just absolute havoc being caused by his defensive lines. And I love it. I think it'll be fantastic for the Steelers. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it'd be huge if two, if the Steelers could get to it back, if that changes his mind on things. Um, I, I think it's the perfect uh, yin to Terrell Austin's yang in the front seven and secondary. I'm very excited about this hire. I'm very excited if they can retain floors for a couple years so. When he does eventually get that next head coaching gig, the Steelers get a, a pair of third-round picks. Hopefully that happens. But for as big as a hire this was, one of the first things that popped into my mind, uh, how much the players respected Flores for, for standing, like laying on his sword uh, with all, the whole scandal thing that's going on there with Miami and mm -hmm. uh, his, uh, his thoughts on misrepresentation amongst coaches in the NFL. With all that going on, one of the things that popped in my head and the respect uh, amongst players that uh, Flores kind of gained amongst the, uh, the players of the NFL is, I wonder if guys would be more likely to come play for the Steelers. Um, especially like the percentages speak for themselves. 70% of the NFL is African-American players. Uh, I, 
the the coaches that are actually make up the NFL certainly does not represent that percentage, but not to get into that side of things, but generally I, I think the players want to support a coach uh, and, and an organization that actually gives talented people positions. And Flores is by far the best coach the Steelers have probably aside yeah. from Mike Tomlin, huge hire. Uh, and my, I'm floored because of it, but do you think the Steelers are more likely to land big time free agents because they signed Brian Flores to a deal? Let me, let me, counter with this um joe hayden came to the steelers he's talked about the difference between a culture uh between the browns and the steelers there are a lot of players out there like we talk about miami tanking those seasons we talked to bank of fist patrick wanted out once guys started getting traded you know all these guys wanted out they didn't want to be a part of a team that was tanking to have it out there that he he was supposed to tank and didn't and the coach and like the ownership was was spreading things about him not being, you know, working well with people and all this stuff because potentially it's because he refused to tank. Like, I think that's going to resonate with players. Uh, and I think there's an element here where we have some very good Steelers defenders that have a chip on their shoulder from what, what's been happening with the Steelers last year and the year before. Uh, and now you've got a coach with a giant chip on his shoulder, a coach who is an intense person is, is, is a guy who wants to win and has a massive chip on his shoulder. And I think there are players out there that would want to be a part of a defense that is just like, you know, there to show the NFL that they screwed up. Like we're going to take this season and show just how badly you screwed up letting Brian Flores come to the Steelers as a defensive assistant. So I, I think there is an appeal there, and I think there's a, a great appeal on the roster. And I think you're going to see guys uh, get a little more intense, a little more fired up this year than maybe you would have seen otherwise. Yeah, no, th that is a pretty interesting point, and uh, one that uh, will be interesting to follow as well. Like, one of the things for me that just screams that Flores is a great coach, the Dolphins try to sell the farm to land Tua Tagovailoa first overall. Of course, Joe Burrow went on to his excellence, but... For the absolute worst roster in football, a terrible team. They won five damn games. That roster was comparable to the, like the 0-16 Browns and Lions teams. They yeah. were awful, and they won five games. That is on coaching. What yeah. a damn good coach to be able to get your team on that well, level, to, to game plan, get your talent up to that. Well, also, and you, and you look at their numbers on defense. They were like the worst defense in 2019, the worst defense in the NFL still won those games. And then they come back the next year and they're like the sixth best defense in the NFL. Like get, give this guy a year. Like, just give him a year or two and, and see what you end up with. It's incredible. Uh, I love his scheme. It's it's he's running in Miami having success with what he had success in against 2018 against the Rams. When the Rams offense was one of the best. It was. I think Juggernaut. they were at the time eleventh highest scoring offense in NFL history, and they held with them to three Jared Goff the the quarterback. Yeah, and they held him to and three points in the Super Bowl, and it was visible. The Rams had no clue what to do. They had no answers. Sean McVay, for as, as big of a name and as big good as he's supposed to be, had no answers for Brian Flores. They just. Well, it was incredible now, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he faced Tampa Bay, not not New England. You know, he faced Tom in, in Tampa, not New England. They had Brian Flores calling the defense there. It was it, it just it's it's unbelievable to me. I think he's a great great fit. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. 
Now, one of the things that's interesting to me as well is the form, the amount of former players that Flores has had that has that would obviously have seen what he's been able to do to the team. Like, there's not a, a list of great free agents in Miami, but Mike Gazicki is an interesting name. He, he's more of a receiver than he is a tight end, and the Steelers are losing a bunch of receivers this offseason. So, that, like, that's an interesting one. J.C. Jackson's kind of already got spurned by the the New England Patriots. Stephon mm-hmm. Gilmore, one of his favorite coaches ever, was Flores. Dante Hightower, the Steelers tried to get him in 2017. Boy, how things would have been different if they actually pulled that one off. Yeah. Um, the Steelers are still in need of a linebacker who and Hightower took off when Flores became his linebacker's coach. Yep. There is a lot of names here. Um, do, do you think guys that have played with him might be uh, a little more interested uh, in the Steelers now that uh, Coach Flo is uh, roaming the black and gold sidelines? I think I think so. I think there's a, there's a good chance we land someone who's played with him before. And I'd, I'd love it. I'd love to bring in a Highsmith. I'd love that, that a Hightower. I'd or love that. <laughs> yeah, we got a Highsmith. Um, but even even if we don't, the, we've got I, – I would love to see what he would do with an Alex Highsmith. I can't wait to see what he does with TJ Watt. Mm. Um, I love that we, as the Steelers, need a linebacker who's a bit more of a run thumper, a bit more of a blitzer, and then – we're bringing in a guy who uses those kind of linebackers better and doesn't drop them into coverage. He's just like, why would, if they're not a good coverage guy, why would you drop it into coverage? Do what they do. Let them go wreak havoc. I would have loved to see like Vince Williams play, play for Brian Flores. He, it, it would have been amazing. Vince Williams would have loved him because it just would have been like, go hey Vince, just go bust up their play. Just go beat people. It's yeah. fantastic. If I had to make a prediction, I feel like I, I really think Dante Hightower. I, I, I feel like that just it, yeah. it almost seems too good to be true. Uh, like I know he's fit. a little bit older, but uh, just the, the amount of respect he has, I feel like that one's like almost feels like a certain to me at this at this point already. And it, it'd be the perfect situation too for the Steelers because you're bringing in a veteran who's had the success, who has who has been that kind of defensive leader on a great defense. Oh, I'd be perfect beside Devin Bush. Right there with Devin Bush, who we yeah. hope can turn things around and become that player. Exactly. Flores is only going to be great for Bush as well. But the second half of my prediction, I feel like they're going to land Hightower, and I think they're going to get a corner too, like either Gilmore or Jackson. Like, like I really do. Wow. I Like to that level, like I think the Steelers will sign a big-name free agent. Like I wouldn't classify Hightower as the big name of uh, this yeah. offseason by any means now. He's getting older but he would provide more than what Schobert gave to the Steelers, if we're being honest. So we'll see how that all boils down. But, yeah, no, I think this is a huge move that's going to send some shockwaves across the Steelers organization. And speaking of that, Kevin Colbert spoke to the media this week and sent some shockwaves throughout Steelers Nation when he said uh, when the the only quarterback on roster would be the starting quarterback if the season started today. Oh, obviously. Yeah. And, and well, people's yeah. minds were blown like, of course, Mason Rudolph is the starter if the season started today. No one else is a contract. <laughs> like, of course, yeah. he would be the starter. What else is he going to say, people? So just, just relax. He did say they're going to add a quarterback and probably not just one. So yeah. we can all just. He said he expected four, <sighs> right? Is yeah, having four he... at yeah. training camp. And like, you pick up Haskins' uh, RFA deal. Um, and like, four to me is a vet and a rookie at some point. Uh, like to me, I, I would prefer if it was a rookie, like in the later half of the draft, just not, not necessarily a camp arm, but someone that can push Haskins, a veteran uh, along like a, a cheap veteran that can compete with Rudolph. I, I don't want to spend $20 million on four quarterbacks 
and like your your starters worth five and your backups worth five and his backups worth five and the rookies worth two. Like I, I don't want that. That'd just be yeah. wasting funds. But um, yeah, things are going to be different. And, and like to me, uh, I'm sure I'm sure you agree with this. I I think that was blown out of proportion. Uh, w- would you agree, Jeffrey? <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely agree. It's 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 not the end of the world. The sky is not falling, people. It's going to be okay. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. Like, there wasn't too many crazy takeaways from me in uh, Colbert's presser. Uh, of course, uh, him kind of the relevation of like him being known that he was leaving or taking a step back uh, a year ago. I think that was obvious to everyone. We, we all kind of knew it, but he, he's not leaving the organization unless the next GM says, "Hey, you're kind of stepping on my toes a little bit here." So uh, I don't really see that uh, being a, an issue at all. Um, like the other notes was that he doesn't foresee them being big players, but that's typically because the Steelers haven't had money. They have money this year and can create a butt ton load of money. Uh, if I'm going to watch my profanities, uh, they could, they could create a ton of cap space. Um, so they can be players this year. And I, I think they still add a, a decent name player. Like I mentioned, like a JC Jackson, I feel like they land someone of that capability, um, to help this team because they have the ability to do so. Um, uh, so were there some bombs dropped? No, not really. He talked about Kendrick Green a little bit. Um, didn't necessarily say he was trash, but didn't necessarily say he was great either. And didn't even rule out the possibilities of moving him to guard. So I, I think that's one that rings out in my mind as well. Uh, I'm curious if there's any big thoughts from uh, Colbert's uh, kind of presser there that uh, sticks out with you, other than the quarterbacks. The, the one that stood out to me is where he was talking about he knew, like, he, he kind of knew the writing was on the wall where that he was going to take a step back. And when you remember last year, there were the rumors that he want that Kevin Colbert was the guy in the Steelers who wanted Ben Roethlisberger kind of to go mm. yeah. a year, a year earlier. And I was like, okay, if he knew, if he knew that was his last year, right. That would make sense. Like, let's get this position solved. Let's get some clarity here. Let's have a season where it's Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins fighting it out. Let's find out what we got, and we'll go into the next season, and we can set up the next guy, you know, with a quarterback, with with actual, you know, some closure here instead of, you know, this season where they're going into a draft, Kevin Colbert's last draft, he's stepping back, and are we going to take a quarterback? You know, all that drama could have been avoided. It just didn't work out calendar-wise. No, absolutely. Now, the the last thing I want to ask you about tonight here, Jeffrey, um, the Athletic in uh, San Francisco, uh, the the San Francisco chapter of the Athletic, I should say, um, proposed a mock trade today that kind of sent uh, Steelers Twitter a a buzz a little bit, uh, even trending when you uh, search the names. uh, Jimmy Garoppolo um, to the Steelers. Of course, uh, there's been rumors that Garoppolo could be moved by the end of the month. Adam Schefter seemed to shut that down a little bit. But I think inevitably Garoppolo will be moved. One of the things that was uh, kind of pressing to me in the article, uh, he mentioned that uh, it doesn't expect there to be a bidding war for Jimmy G. So it will be fairly easy for a team to get him when they want a player like him. Essentially what it boiled down to was a fourth-round pick this year and a fourth-round pick next year, which had conditions. But if they're trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, paying him $20 million bucks, uh, a little bit more than that, um, if they're going to make that move, they're going to they're going to reach the conditions for that second fourth round pick. But two fourth round picks in not not exactly con- well in consecutive years, not not both, not two picks this year, yeah. one pick here, one pick next year. 
what are your thoughts on that? Is that too much, or is that the sweet spot for Jimmy G? Jimmy G? Uh, could the Steelers add void years on his deal to make him not worth a whole lot of cash? Like, like, what would you what would you think if the Steelers swung a deal like that? And does that deal make any sense whatsoever? For the two fourth round picks, that's about right because you are paying him what he's worth. But in my opinion, you're paying him what he's worth in that system. And the question is, what would he be worth somewhere else? Uh, I, I don't like the amount of money he gets. I don't like taking that much because, like like we're saying, the Steelers have money. They have ways to free up more money. But everybody has money. Contracts are going to go up this year because there are a lot of teams that cut down to get to the COVID cap. And now, oh, look, now it's back up again. There's a lot of teams with money. People hitting free agency right now are going to reset some of the mid-level market for free agents. Uh, I don't I don't want to take a bunch of that money and put it into a quarterback. Uh, I, 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 I think we'd do better just draft a quarterback. Honestly, right now with, with what free agency should be looking like and what quarterback salaries are like right now, which they're kind of crazy. Uh, I, they're stupid. I don't want a mid-level quarterback. I know I I wholeheartedly agree. Like my big thing here, and like what I've kind of discovered, if I'm going to be a GM in the NFL, if you're not like I've been saying top eight quarterback, and like I still genuinely believe that if you're not a top eight quarterback or have potential to be that level, hit free agency. I don't care. Someone else can pay forty million dollars and waste all that time with you because eight like the tenth best quarterback in football isn't winning you a championship. That's just not the game anymore. You, yeah. you can't have someone that's not in that top tier. It's just not possible. Yeah, because they're getting they're getting paid too much. Too much money. If you if you were getting that for even fifteen million in the current salary cap, area, you'd be okay. You'd be like, all right, we can build the rest of the team, and this guy can be good enough to not screw it up for us. But if you're paying that guy thirty million dollars, then that's too much. Where like you're, he's not going to be able to cover for the lack of talent elsewhere. Oh, exactly. That's why teams win. Like. Mahomes' Super Bowl and his second appearance and his NFC title game. And I guess this year, technically, we're all on his rookie deal. That contract yeah. holds now. That $500 million contract starts hitting home hard now. And that's going to affect yeah. the Chiefs for years to come. And they're probably not going to be a legit Super Bowl contender. They'll, they'll be in the mix, but they probably yeah. won't be hoisting a Lombardi for probably like two or three years down the road, Consider like de depending on how the salary cap grows. And if, if there were to be a hit to that, that could sewer the Chiefs if the, the cap were to get stagnant again for whatever reason. So yeah. th that's one of the big things that I want to mention here. It's like I'm way better off with Mason Rudolph at $4 million and having a like a vastly improved team around him. That's like two top free agents and and change with yeah. that extra cash than, than like a Teddy Bridgewater on $17 million a year because that's kind of like the, the range I've heard that, that there is talking – about him that just doesn't make any sense you can get jc yeah. jackson for that like would you rather mm -hmm. want a, a quarterback that's probably like the 25th best quarterback in football at almost 20 million bucks a year or one of the top 10 corners in the game like yeah that's that's one of the next premium yep. position like to me the premium position in football is quarterback guys that protect the quarterback guys that get the other team's quarterback and then trailing uh, behind that is lockdown corners that can take receivers out of the game so for me, yeah. that's where you pay. Don't waste your money on a quarterback. It's okay for a year of Mason Rudolph. Like it is okay. 
Yeah. If they can actually build a team better around and then hit hit on a quarterback in 2023. That's perfect. You build a great team. You trade up. You get aggressive for a quarterback next year. You get the right guy in place, and then you're a contender again. You, you, you trend up with the right roster this year. You're, you're Tommy Maddox year. And then you just you, you hit the quarterback and you're winning championships for the next five years. That's just the way the NFL works right now with the, these contracts. But we've already taken up too much time this evening. So, Mr. Jeffrey Benedict, is there any final thoughts and uh, some things you want to plug for the people? Uh, yeah, Dave uh, Schofield and I have a vertex coming out on Joe Hayden, uh, looking at his season and what he still had this year and where that could work for the Steelers next year if they decide to bring him back. So look for that one. Uh, and there were a couple of film rooms. Mine came out today uh, and Kevin Smith had one yesterday on Brian Flores' defense. If you want to get super pumped about the potential of the Steelers defense under, with Brian Flores in the fold. Hey, nah, that's great stuff. Uh, make sure you're checking out everything really from behind the steel curtain.com. Some great articles, even though it's the offseason, some great stuff dropping uh, in the pipeline and the Steelers are keeping us extremely busy. And Dave Schofield even says uh, 11 a.m. Uh, tomorrow, that being Thursday uh, for the podcast crew for that Vertex article. Thanks again for tuning in, Dave. Uh, as always, uh, our uh, editor uh, at uh, behind the steel curtain.com. But uh, yeah, once again, click over to the website behind the steel curtain.com. You already know it. Uh, but uh, on top of that as well, I want to remind everyone of, of the podcast platform. If you're just watching on YouTube and Facebook, you're still only getting about a third of the story. Um, so uh, by just go to wherever you, you get your podcast traditionally, be it Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, you name it, search Behind the Steel Curtain. Heck, just search Steelers and uh, you probably won't have to scroll long to find uh, Behind the Steel Curtain. If we're not number one, we're certainly close to the top uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. So for my co-host, Jeffrey Benedict, my name is Michael Beck. You've been listening to Curtain Call and we'll catch you guys soon.